0: Hello and welcome back to the Get Unstuck and On Target show. I'm Mike O'Neill with Bench Builders, and we're speaking with thought leaders to uncover tips to help you break down the barriers that may be keeping you or your business stuck. Joining me today from Toronto is my friend, Anna Tubina. Anna is a change practitioner, appreciative inquiry facilitator, and a health coach. Welcome, Anna.
1: Thank you so much Mike thanks for welcoming me to your podcast a humbling experience uh, i've learned a lot from your previous speakers and uh, it's just great to be here with you.
0: Well i'm confident that our listeners today are going to learn a lot from you, let me share with our listeners a little bit more about you, for the last several years Anna has worked in the areas of individual and organizational development and change. Anna is currently employed with the City of Toronto as a change management consultant, and she supports major IT initiatives on the people side of change. So I've asked Anna to give us her insights on how to manage both the head and heart issues when leading organizational change. Anna, why don't we just jump right in? You know, from your perspective as a change consultant, you're helping large organizations implement complex change. How would you define success when change is done well?
1: Yeah, and thank you, Mike, for uh, for leading us into the conversation with this question because I think it's very important. Uh, in a holistic, holistic sense of things, I think uh, change can be su- uh, considered successful when the And its it's driven, for example, if it's driven as an initiative as an initiative from the top, it's being well met and lived by at the bottom of organizational structure and essentially the initiative and the change becomes the spirit of the organization, it becomes everybody's business. Uh, I like to define a successful change as such, because in this case, uh, people are already invested in what's going on. And as we know, human nature, when human beings invest in something, it becomes dear to their heart. And here you go, you already have less change resistance, like a recipe for decreasing the change. resistance, Let your people be engaged in what's happening during the change.
0: So you're describing the importance of involving all of those who are going to be impacted by the change in the process if you want change to be successful, and that makes good common sense. You know, what I'm also mindful of is that for change to be successful, certain things need to happen on the front end. What might be some of the prerequisites that should be in place for change to be successful?
1: Yes, and I think that's a very important conversation about the prerequisites of the successful change, because often, when we talk about change management and a traditional approach to it, we think about certain structures, uh, the strategy, the communication tactics, the training tactics that need to be implemented to guide people through the change process. And that is very important. That has to be there. And of course, it's a part of my job or, or a job of any change leader practitioner. But I think there is more to it. And I think there are two main areas of prerequisites of a successful change. One area is emotional and I refer to it as a forming healthy emotional microbiome in the organization or in the team. And the second piece to me is the mindset, uh, uh, instilling the right uh, generative opportunistic mindset. So those are the two important uh, key prerequisites for me uh, that enable and prepare organization for any change that is coming its way.
0: So, Ana, you described two prerequisites. Why don't we go through each of those in a little more detail? The first, can you elaborate, please?
1: Absolutely. And uh, I think number one for me is emotional peace, that emotional microbiome, as I refer to it. And I really like to use this analogy, and I borrow it from uh, nutritional science and a gut health you know, because we all know that it's important uh, what, uh, what is the composition of the bacteria or, or microorganisms in our gut. And similar to that, uh, I define emotional microbiome as in the organization um, as a mix of emotions that are prevalent, dominant in the organization or in the team at the point where change is starting. And of course it's a dynamic process you know we can be having a, a very bad diet and then we can jump and start eating healthy foods probiotics and things like that and we can shift our microbiome in our gut and similarly to this emotional microbiome is not something that is fixed and it's a good uh, and it's good news because leaders can do a lot to make sure that the dominant emotions are not fear, not feeling of stuckness, anxiety, and mistrust. That would be unhealthy emotional microbiome from my perspective. And I like teams. I like to see teams either be in the state or shifting towards a mix of emotions where there's trust, there is hope, uh, there is curiosity about what's coming. That's what I call a more healthy, emotional microbiome or landscape.
0: So you introduced me to a new term, I appreciate that. If that is the first prerequisite, is what is the second again, please?
1: So, and I think, at least in my, in my view, once the emotional landscape is more positive, or at least neutral, and people are not affected by the negative emotions, they're not stuck in that state, uh, the organization is ready to uh, to do the mindset work, which is the second piece that I think is very important. And that is the shift from viewing the change as a set of inconveniences and troubles, uh, shifting that towards viewing the change as opportunity. And that's where it's hard to underestimate the role of leaders, because often, uh, often leaders think that once they, uh, um, uh, once they employ a change leader, a change practitioner person on their project, their work is done. Not all the leaders think that way, but some leaders do tend to think that you know it's the burden off their shoulders. And in a way it is because a change person, is responsible for strategizing for doing the risk assessments for building all the plans and implementing that but the important part is the change person has to become an la uh, for those leaders especially for the immediate leaders who are leading uh the teams uh as an la in the change journey because those leaders have to take those employees the staff who belong who reports to them through that change journey We have to tap into the coaching skills. They have to help. They have to help their staff to see the changes an opportunity. And it's a perfect, uh, perfect opportunity to start uh, two-way communication, uh, to implement conversational practices, to get together with your team and ask questions like, uh, you know, what do we want to achieve as a team? What are the things that we've always wanted to achieve, but we probably couldn't do it because of lack of proper technology. So what this change, what kind of opportunities does this change give to us? This is a perfect opportunity just to form a shared vision of the future and really view the change as a vehicle to evolve, become a better version of ourselves as a team and really come out on the other side of this change Uh, having a better quality of service or better quality of of operations, depending what kind of initiative we're talking about. So this is a mindset. piece.
0: I appreciate your clarification. You know, in my introduction, I said that I'm going to ask you to speak on the challenge of managing change from both a head and heart issue of the two. Does one typically need to come in before the other, or do you, can you speak to that? If you want to get head and heart appealed, is there a, a more better approach to get a head and heart buy-in?
1: Well, I think recognizing that it can be subjective and depends on, on the scenario, on the change, but to me, uh, the heart comes first. And it's not only because uh, I recently discovered that I'm uh, highly sensitive person, so I naturally read uh, human people's emotions very easily, and not only because of that, but also because uh, there, is, uh, uh, there is a concept in, uh, in the psychology that says that emotions are the form of communication. Mm. Emotions is something that we can read and translate into feedback. And I think from that perspective, emotions, uh, especially negative emotions, those emotions that keep teams stuck or unwilling to go through the certain processes through the change, they can serve as a beautiful pointer on our next target. What it is that we need to dig deeper into, what conversations do we need to hold, maybe what additional training we need to offer, for people to feel more at ease with what's coming their way and therefore to be able to shift in the right mindset, get more curious, get more open and be willing to spend time on the change because change implementation always demands it demands additional time uh, on the employees, on the leaders. And that's where people often get uncomfortable because they have their own to do they have their plates full and they don't always they're not always willing to put an hour and a half in the training per week plus additional time to kind of refresh the materials you know but once the emotions are more at ease with, with, with what's happening once they are more welcoming once their mindset is shifted they will be willing to do that and then we come to a scenario where uh, the change is more likely to be sustained adopted and then sustained and really that's what top leadership is always looking for because it's about an arrow eye on their investment it's about the adoption it's about the speed of adoption it's about the budget
0: you know anna thus far we've been talking more in the context of implementing change in an organization and the role that you are speaking from in your role there in Toronto is you're helping the implementation of major IT changes. And that would mean we are going from doing it this way to doing it a new way. But, you know, it seems to me as we're talking about just the nature of change, is that is true when you get major change initiatives, but isn't change coming at us fast and furious from all parts of our life? Do people just sometimes shut down because there's too much change going on at once?
1: I think so, and that's one of the very common issues that change practitioners and leaders need to face Uh, There is a term change saturation or, you know, how tired is the organization because of how many changes are coming their way. And and you know what, that's where, from my perspective, uh, two things help. First of all, instilling clarity uh, and translating the bigger why in terms of the business needs, why the top leadership team has made the decision to implement the change into what's in it for me kind of messages for the employers to understand what this change will mean for them and for their team. And that's where important to work together for a change practitioner and the leaders of a particular team. It's very important to work together and spend that time together because only those leaders know those teams the best. You know, that's one thing. And another thing I like to quote uh, an expert in habits, uh, Wendy Wood, who says that make sure you enjoy the new behavior because if it's not the rem- wording, you're not going to stick to it. And, you know, from because I really view change process as a way to instill a set of new behaviors for an organization. And the process of going through change uh, in, an, in, a, in an ideal scenario has to be filled with pleasant emotions. And so people want to do another step and another step and another step forward. And hopefully the new behaviors, the new systems, the new tools, and new processes simplify their work. And hopefully they can understand it and see how it's going to make their life easier and more pleasant so they're more willing to go through that process.
0: You know, as we were kind of discussing this, and I'm listening to you speak, um, I'm trying to kind of imagine a major change initiative. And you mentioned that your thought is is when you're looking at change, you have to be mindful of the heart side, perhaps even before the head side. Uh, my natural tendency is to think more of the head side, to be thinking about the logical aspects. We're going from this to that. But you introduce something uh, very important and that is you characterize leaders as they have to be seen as an ally to this change. They need to be seen as this change is not being forced on the organization by them, but these leaders are coming alongside the folks in the organization as an ally and what I think you're encouraging us to be mindful of as leaders, is that if your natural tendency is to be thinking about implementing change, primarily from a logical linear head perspective, you're trying to caution, "Mm, take a time out, be mindful of how change probably is perceived individually and collectively from a heart standpoint. And so you're really encouraging us as leaders, it's both head and heart. And as leaders, we need to understand that we have to be a resource to the folks in the organization, the stakeholders who are impacted by the change. And you made a very interesting point. And that is there's sometimes a temptation to when the change is implemented, to put a real fat check mark next to that's done. And what you were saying is it's not done until behavior is changed. And that behavior is changed on such a consistent fashion that it's now a habit. Am I hearing that okay? Is that about right?
1: Yes, yes, thank you. I appreciate the the, the recap, you are absolutely right. You know, we've talked about the importance of uh, a new type of relationship between the employees and the leaders as the organization or an individual team is going through change. And those are coaching relationships. And those relationships are really embedded in the co-creation into the, in the conversational, two-way conversational practices, because that can open up a new possibilities in how that team can go through change. What leaders can also do in the times of change they can try to assess the strengths of their team or the team members and try to see how they can lean on those strengths in the time of change. Because people perform the best when, uh, you know, when, when they lean on their strengths, it's easy and it's pleasant for them to lean on their strengths and to be at, at, our, at, at their best. We'll love to be at our best. So really it's an opportunity for your team to be at their best. And support you as a leader, because you don't you don't have to go through that alone. And also, if you have a change practitioner, a change lead, you have to rely on them. And it also has to be a conversation. Uh, uh, it's it's very much both ways. A change lead on their own, they can't implement the change uh, for the whole organization. But at the same time, without a change lead, it, it's much harder for your leader to carry that burden. So it's very much collaborative, co-creational and uh, vision, dr- vision driven uh, process in my view. Well,
0: it sounds to me that the city of Toronto is fortunate to have you there as a change facilitator. Um, I don't know if all of our listeners have the luxury of someone with your type of skill set, but you're giving us some great guidance, the same type of guidance you're giving. Uh, the folks there with the city of Toronto, uh, Anna, in in our time together, I would also like to kind of get some input from you on circumstances, situations where perhaps you got stuck or perhaps an organization you're a part of got stuck. And what did it take to get unstuck? you know, we've been talking about change thus far, sometimes change is a result of an individual or an organization feeling stuck. But how would you speak to that question of situations where either you or an organization you're part of got stuck?
1: You know what, I think I can, uh, we've talked a lot about business side of things, but probably I'm inclined to give more a personal example because I think it will support what I was saying before but more on the personal level. Um, I came to Canada 13 years ago from Russia and uh, the first years uh, I was really in the first three years I was really in a situation of being stuck and not knowing where to move even though you know I Got a job. I was employed by an amazing leader by an amazing team who I'm still in touch with, and I'm very thankful. But inside, I was still stuck. And I think when I go back and try to uh, analyze what was going on, I was exactly stuck on two levels. I was stuck on an emotional level. I was experiencing confusion, you know, loss of my connections that were all left back in my home country. And I couldn't really allow myself to move on for a while. And the second thing that was uh, keeping me stuck was a constant comparison, that mindset, that limited, limiting mindset that whatever is not good enough in Canada questions even why am I here? You know, and the moment I remember at the end of my third year in Canada, something shifted in me. I stopped comparing the realities in Canada, the realities in Russia. I just realized that I don't need to let go of everything that I've accumulated in my home country. I can build on what I have uh, as I look for new opportunities that this country, this city, uh, the new job of mine, the new, new language have to offer. And that was kind of a rebirth moment for me, so to speak. Uh, that was the beginning of a new life where I build on what I had and I continue to develop. So as you can see in this personal example, it's, again, the duo of emotions and the mindset worked out nicely for me. And even if, ever since then, you know, I use emotions as my communication tool even the internal emotional state. I use it as communication. I use it as a pointer to, okay, what is the areas that needs my attention? And I really truly believe that uh, an organization can use the same approach to identify the areas of tension, talk through them, uh, come together to identify the shared preferred vision in the future and then lean on the strengths to create a plan, a strategic and tactical plan, how to move on to that future. And in in that sense, you know, conversational two-dimensional, two-directional conversations I always helpful.
0: I introduced you at the beginning of this podcast as a friend, I didn't necessarily share how you and I came to know each other, but it was through an online community comprised primarily of consultants. What's different about this online community is these consultants are literally from all over the world. And what we are trying to do as a community is be supportive of each other. And what I'm finding is as I participate and we come together at least once a week via Zoom, as I'm listening to Anna share her wisdom it was just clear to me it's that type of wisdom I would love to share with um, our podcast listeners. Um, what I did not mention is Anna has advanced degrees. Um, she's very, very smart, but that wisdom is not just classroom smart. She has a, a, a practical wisdom that I have benefited from. And um, I wanna thank you for at least giving our listeners a little bit of a sense of kind of who you are. And so as we kind of wrap up our time together, Anna, as you kind of reflect on the themes we've discussed, what might be the things you would like our listeners to really kind of grab onto as takeaways?
1: Yeah, you know what, it's, I actually would like to anchor my last words to what you just said about the community and the importance of uh finding the community the professional community just maybe forming a conversational circle at work uh that will help you to move your thoughts uh forward to see the situation from different angles and to feel that you belong that you're not alone Uh, i think that is very important you know my previous uh, my previous uh 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 Thoughts was about you know working side by side whether it's a change practitioner in your team or your colleagues but I think it's always possible to find a way to form a community Mm -hmm. that will uplift you because you know what in my ten years in Canada I wouldn't be where I am right now Mm -hmm. if not my first work and my first community at work at this point if not. the community that you have just mentioned, where we meet regularly and support each other. And if not my colleagues at work, many of them are willing to share the experiences, their points of view, and it's all like pieces of treasure for me, really. We can really lean on each other and move forward together, especially at times like as such, and this uh, 2020 and 2021, those are not easy years for us.
0: We are recording this um, in mid-January. I suspect that this will be published probably uh, later in February, but my sense is, is some of the things we've been dealing with for um, almost a year now will still be with us and as connected as we might feel via Zoom and the like. There is still a sense of isolation, and I appreciate you saying what you said, and that is it doesn't matter how but you're stressing the importance to be in community with others and in doing so um, we can together get through whatever it is that we have to get through but we'll be doing so together speaking of which Ana if people wanted to reach out to you online how's the best way for them to do so
1: well I think it can be just as simple as looking me up on LinkedIn I guess that's the, the simplest and- the only way to reach out and I'm very welcome, very welcoming new connections, new conversations and new ideas.
0: We're going to be including Anna's LinkedIn um, profile in the show notes. But if those are just want to jot those down right now, um, spell your name for our listeners, please.
1: Uh, It's Anna, A-N-N-A, Tubina, T-U-B-I-N-A.
0: Excellent. Again, we're going to include that in the show notes Anna, thank you for your time today and thank you for your friendship.
1: Thank you, Mike. I appreciate the opportunity and I appreciate the conversation and I'm going to thank you. you.
0: I also like to thank our listeners for joining us for this episode of Get Unstuck and on target. Anna is typical of the great guests that we have lined up. We upload the latest episode every Thursday and I hope you'll subscribe, be it Apple, Spotify, whatever your favorite platform might be. But if you've been listening to my discussion with Anna, and you're realizing that something's keeping you or your company stuck, let's talk. Simply visit unstuck.show to schedule a call and on that call we'll explore what's got you stuck and Perhaps what's gotten your company stuck and what might be the things that you could do to overcome it. So I'd like to thank you for joining us. And I hope you have picked up on some tips that will help you get unstuck and on target until next time.